0: You're listening to episode 99 of the Vine podcast. In today's episode, you're going to be hearing an interview that I did as part of the Food Blogger Summit with Andrew Wilder of NerdPress. In our conversation, we talk about building a team to manage your website and the different components that you should know when you are thinking about building a team around your website management. Now, we talk about a lot of different things in this conversation from building a team to thinking like a ceo and i was so excited when andrew brought this idea to the table when i asked him about being a part of the food blogger summit so it's a really just fun and casual conversation between andrew and i and i hope that you will learn a lot from it real quick in case you are not familiar with who andrew is i want to read his quick bio and then we will get right into the episode andrew wilder is the founder and ceo of nerdpress a digital agency that provides wordpress maintenance and support for hundreds of publishers and small businesses placing an emphasis on site speed, stability, and security. He has been building, breaking, fixing, and maintaining websites since 1998 and has spoken on a wide variety of technical topics in plain English at conferences such as World Camp LAX, the International Association of Culinary Professionals, Tastemaker, Food and Wine, Fuel Your Influence, and Mediavine. And of course, now he's been a part of the Food Blogger Summit as well. So I hope that you will enjoy this recording from the Food Blogger Summit and that you will learn a little bit about building a team to manage your website. Hey friend, I'm Madison Wetherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers and your host for the Vine podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume, and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Hey, food bloggers, welcome to the presentation today for the Food Blogger Summit with Andrew Wilder. I'm so excited to have you here today, Andrew, I would love to just start with you introducing yourself. And then we will jump into this topic of building your website team and really thinking like a CEO of your food blog. So introduce yourself and let us know what you do.
1: Um, hi, my name is Andrew. I'm a failed food blogger. <laughs> I, I started my own food blog in 2010. It's actually still going. Um, Called Eating Rules. So I, I was already always interested in websites and did them kind of as side projects. And then when other food, when I got into the food blogging community and food bloggers found out I knew what I was talking about with the tech stuff, they like were like, "Can you please help me with my site?" And people insisted on hiring me, and it kind of grew from there. And I so this was 2011 that kind of started. And then people kind of kept hiring me, and I kept helping with sites. And then. From there, it's, you know, fast forward 10 years later, we're now a digital agency that provides WordPress support and maintenance to over 600 sites. Um, we're a team of 13 people, and it's just been crazy explosive growth. <laughs> so it's, yeah. been, it's, been a, it's been a fun, wild ride.
0: Yeah, and I know we talked even before this presentation that we, we share a lot of clients, and I think we both have experienced some of that. Like, once you kind of get in the food blogging world, like, it's very... It's, it's hard to walk away in any way just because there's so much need. And I think both of us, I've, I know I've heard you say this on podcast before too. It's just like there at the time, especially when you got started, there's kind of a lack of support in, in the areas that you really like thrive in. And so I, I know that you have been a really great resource for food bloggers. So Today, we're going to talk about kind of like what food bloggers can be thinking about when they think about building their website team. And I'm really excited to just dive into this you know, topic because I think it's much broader than people think. So I'd love to start with what are some of the watch areas that you see your clients struggling with when it comes to managing their website and really like creating a team around their website support?
1: So you know, we, we're handling mostly technical stuff. So that's the stuff we see, right? The, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is people don't know what they don't know. And that's the real challenge, right? Because if you if you have an understanding of what you need, then you can figure out how to solve it. But if you don't even know what the problem is or what the real underlying problem is, you don't know how to get the right advice or how to solve it or what, what the solution is. So a lot of what we do actually is just advising our clients on like, hey, this is the thing you need right here. And we save a ton of our, you know, troubleshooting or like reading blog posts and trying a plugin and having it fail. And you know, this whole daisy chain of things where people just waste a ton of time trying to find the solution when like, we can just be like, Hey, here's the one you want. So I think, I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. What was the question?
0: Yeah. So just (laughs) what are some of those watch areas? And I think that's a really good point that there is, there is a lot that you don't know. And I think part of that is just because food blogging is such a complex career like it seems like it should be very simple but when you think about all the different hats that you have to wear as a food blogger and then on top of that you also have to keep a website that is running and doesn't break with every update and keep up to date with what plugins are you know new and updated and all of those things it gets very overwhelming very fast something that i i hear a lot is just around the conversation of plugins in general so do you want to kind of give us like your short and sweet like maybe best tip to remember when it comes to plugins as just like a, you know, from the tech side of things.
1: Sure, use good plugins and less is more. You know, plugins are just bits of code that somebody else wrote that you can install on your site. So it's really important to use good ones. How can you tell if it's a good one? Uh, You. You can ask other people who've used it, of course. But if you go to the WordPress repository, it actually shows you ratings. Uh, it shows you how many times it's installed, how, when it was last updated. You can look in the support forums and see if the developer is responsive. So you can take all of that stuff. You know, just like looking at reviews on Amazon before you buy something, it's the same idea. You know, if something's got all five star reviews and it's installed on twenty thousand sites, that's a good sign. It's going to be a good plugin, well coded and well supported. If it's got like ten installs and half the reviews are three star, you might want to stay away. Right? You know, th- those aren't hard. Enough fast rules, but it's a, those, those tools on the repository are really helpful. You know, I think uh, food bloggers all talk to each other. So, you know, the biggest plugins do surface to the top, you know, everybody's got Yoast SEO, you've got, you know, there's basically three good recipe plugins out there now. And, you know, WP Recipe Maker, Tasty or Create, like those are it. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and I think that's the perfect market fit. They're, they're all good. They're just different based on how you like to work. So some of that is just personal preference too, at that point. People often ask how many plugins is too many
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I won't give you a number.
0: Right. Cause there there is a number really. There
1: isn't <laughs> a, a plugin can be two lines of code. Like literally like, you know, it can be just like one little filter that changes one behavior, or it can be a massive thing like WooCommerce that adds something on every page. And so it, the, the old 30 plugins, 40 plugins or whatever, that's not really the metric you want to look at. It's, you know, do you have plugins that are overlapping in features? Are they bloated? Are they supported? Are they old? Do they have security vulnerabilities? Like all those little details. That's the really important stuff.
0: Yeah. And, and something you just said there kind of just brought me to one of the points that we were going to talk about, which is really that maintaining your website and kind of focusing on that tech stuff, it takes a lot of time. And it can be very, not only time consuming, but very overwhelming to somebody if they're not super tech savvy, or it's just not their zone of genius. And so I would love to just talk around that topic of, you know, why is it so important for food bloggers to really start thinking about freeing up their time and not focusing so much? Obviously, you can't ignore these things. So but before we go into like how to help with that. Why is this so important for food bloggers to kind of to shift their mindset around having the support with their website?
1: So I love that you said zone of genius. (laughs) You know, I think that's, that's a perfect way to encapsulate it. Like most food bloggers start a blog because they like writing recipes and taking pictures and sharing food. Right. And then you kind of go down this rabbit hole of setting up a site and you have all these tough technical lessons where, you you know, and you're trying for six months or a year and not getting much traffic. And, you know, most people like it's part of the process (laughs) is what I've realized now. So don't beat yourself up about it because everybody goes through that, you know, and that's part of the learning curve. And, you know, we see people now on the other side of that where it's like. Hey, I've been through this school of hard knocks here. I don't want to repeat that again, you know, or I just don't have the time because I'm so busy managing my Instagram or whatever. Yeah. And so I think that that's the the big thing is just like going from that paradigm shift of I'm going to start a blog to treating your blog like a business, mm-hmm. um, which I think most people now that's where their goals are. They want to earn money on their blog and quit their day job and let their spouse quit their day job. And, you know, so if you're going to do that, you do have to treat it like a business and make sure you're checking all the boxes, right? And there's a lot of boxes
0: yeah yeah there certainly are and i i agree i i've said and in- quite a few different instances that there are a lot of easier ways to make money than a food blog. So if you're trying to make money with a food blog, you really have to get strategic and you have to really think like a CEO and kind of stop playing small in a way. And so I think that's a really important lesson to to share. And just really to think about like, what do you love about food blogging? Because I can almost guarantee you it is not keeping your plugins up to date or, you know, updating to the latest WordPress. Like it is not those things. It's probably not even designing your website. But those are necessary evils in order to get you to where you want to go. But it's kind of, you trade off, right? Like if you spend hours a week doing that, you're trading time that you could be producing more content or, you know, engaging with brands on Instagram, like there's a cost to that. And so you have to really think about where you're you're spending your time. So- Yeah. So let's talk about like, what does your ideal or what should a food bloggers ideal website team look like? And I know we have kind of a a secret to this, that it isn't always a person. So let's just talk about kind of from a broad level, like what should you be thinking about when you're thinking about building that website team for your business?
1: So right before we got on, I was just like, how many different hats does a food blogger have to wear? And in like, 60 seconds. I made a list of, I think, more than 20. And I'm just going to rattle them off real quick, because I think everybody listening is going to be like, "Uh uh (laughs) uh-huh, uh-huh. So you've got hosting, uh, web design and development, search engine optimization, recipe development, recipe photography, uh, recording videos, editing photos, editing videos, lead generation, social media. So you've got Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook. I don't know what else is out there anymore. Making sure your site is backed up and secure, running updates, uh, speed optimization, Uh, making sure your users have a good user experience Uh, monetizing whatever that means whether it's advertising or selling a product Um, other e-commerce email marketing like making sure your email funnel is built uh, so lead generation Um, updating old content what your content strategy is in in general i said advertising already i think podcasting if you if you want to do a podcast or if you're going to publish a book whether you self-publish or get an agent like it just goes on and on right
0: yeah (laughs) because even within all of those there's probably three parts to each of those
1: and you could try to do all of that <laughs> but it's really hard and um you know if you try to do everything you're not going to excel at at all of it it's just not possible there aren't enough hours in the day so you know i think it goes back to what your zone of genius is and you know there's it's not just like what you're really good at but it's what you like doing and you know what you don't like doing and what's the return on investment of your time like what's the best return on investment versus outsourcing
0: Yeah. And I think something you just said was, you know, even if you can do these things, A, it's probably not very enjoyable for you, even if it's easy to do, even if it doesn't take a lot of time. Or B, maybe it does take a lot of time if it's something like, you know, web design or installing a theme or, you know, things like that that are a little bit higher level or just keeping up with, can I update this plugin? Can I not update this plugin? All of that is just mentally taxing. And so there is often somebody out there who that is their zone of genius. And I mean, you know, that's something that I think for me, as I've built my team has been really just interesting to learn and lean into because yes, I could do all of these things. And I think because of my background as a food blogger, that I'm very like good at being scrappy and kind of figuring things out. And that's you know, being an entrepreneur—that's kind of how we all have to manage things. But at the end of the day, if I can provide a job for somebody else to do those things that I don't really love doing, but they do, like that's also part of what we can do and what we can, how we can use like the gifts of our food blog to help others as well. And I, I'm sure that you feel that same way with your business well, the, you know, exponential growth is sometimes really hard to, to keep up with. It's created, you know, 13 jobs for your team, which is awesome. And I think food bloggers, you know, they kind of start with like maybe a VA and then maybe they start to think about, well, maybe I could hire out like photography, but really there's so many things you could hire out. And again, like that frees up your time to do the things that will generate money in your business or help you think of that next like offer that you want to have or that next product. So you mentioned a couple of things in your list that I think kind of, Go specifically from like a website management. So you said, you know, web design and development, managing plugins and themes and things like that, like you guys do SEO, I think definitely has a technical side to it, site speed. And then earlier you host you. So is there anything else that people are, that were missing in that when you just think about like your website itself and what kind of support you might need around that?
1: You know, it's sometimes with content, it's all inter, intertwined, right? Like with SEO, as the content creator, you need to understand content-based SEO. So you're putting in, you know, you're doing your headings properly and doing, uh, you know, your frequently asked questions or whatever that is, right? And then there's the technical el- element like site speed is, is now a ranking factor. So maybe to, maybe to take a, a little step back, part of this is really about a paradigm shift. You know, when I when I started, I thought I was an entrepreneur and I wasn't, I was a freelancer. Mm -hmm. And I'm now, I'm still working on being an entrepreneur and CEO. Like I'm still trying to get out of that freelancer mindset. And, and I think between those two differences, like it's, it's a huge paradigm shift. Like I just took out books from the library about being a CEO, right? (laughs) And like, I'm trying to learn how to run a business so that my team can do the work that they need to do. And I can empower them to do it and they can be happy and fulfilled in the work that they're doing. Totally different than just like, Hey, I have to like get enough page views and Mm -hmm. get my SEO or whatever. Right. Like it's just so, so broad there.
0: Can you give an example of like a decision that you might have had to make? It can be from like a very general view, but something that you maybe made one way as like a freelancer versus like how you would think about it now, trying to like, you know, empower yourself to be the CEO.
1: Oh yeah. Um, for us, documentation has been the biggest mm. thing. So when, you know, I, so I, I've, before it was, we were called nerd press, we were a blog tutor. Um, my original plan was to build courses for bloggers, hence the name, Yon. Um, and it was just me. And I never got the courses off the ground. And then we, I started doing the subscriptions because that's where the need was. And then it kind of got to the point where I needed help. Mm-hmm. And when I hired Sergio, uh, my first hire, getting all of it out of my head so that he could do it too was so hard. It was just, it was brutal because everything was in my head, right? Because mm-hmm. I was a freelancer. And so going from from one to two was the biggest thing. It took about a year of working with him till he was kind of up to speed on everything. And we hadn't even documented everything at this point. It was just like data transfer. Then right? it was
0: both in, in both of your heads. <laughs> yeah, there two
1: of our heads, which really does, doesn't get us much further along, honestly. Like mm-hmm. if he quit, you know, I'd be back where that's I started. Mm-hmm. Um, I will, will say the single most important tool in running my business is called Process Street. It's a website, it's process.st that's all about repeatable checklists. So when a new client comes to us, we start an onboarding checklist that has, I think, 60 different tasks in it and it's multi-user and the checklist is also the documentation. Mm -hmm. So when we set up, let's say the security server side scanner, there's instructions on how to do that and check boxes and we can see, oh, okay, Yamil did this yesterday, right? It has audit logging and like, you know, that was born out of necessity for me, like that tool. And, you know, I had, I think I had one week where I was trying to onboard four clients at once and it was all in my head and I couldn't keep track of it. It was just too much. And so now you just trust the checklist. Um, so, checklists are an amazing thing. So, you don't have to use Process Street, of course. There's tons of other tools. I love Process Street because uh, it's very easy to use and the documentation is integral. One of the most important things to me is that if you have like a whole bunch of active checklists, I think they now call them workflow runs, they're changing their terminology. But if you update the checklist, it pushes those updates to all the active ones. Mm-hmm. So, you can be iterating and improving constantly. You know, one of our company core values is keep improving. And so that's essential. I remember looking at Asana years ago as one of the tools and it had this like checklist template, but once you created the te- the checklist from it, it was kind of unlinked and and so like if you've got 30 checklists open, you can't go back and update the you know how you do things on each of them. So I think being able to iterate and being nimble that way is really helpful and something good to think about um, when you're choosing tools to use.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that's something that food bloggers can get started with even before they're ready to hire somebody because there are so many repeatable processes in like in producing content for a food blog. And so I think the more you can kind of be thinking like that CEO and knowing like, this is where I want to go, then you can start to create those and- Just be prepared for when you do bring someone on and you want, you know, help with something or if for some reason you're ever like needing to be out of your business for a week, like you have someone that can read these processes and go through things and and kind of catch up. So I love that. I think that's such a great tip. Okay. So what would you say are some, some things to look out for when you're hiring someone to help with your website? If you have a horror story, you can share it, but just kind of a like top level, These are the things you want to be thinking about before you let someone kind of have access to that.
1: Yeah. So there's sort of two buckets in terms of building your team. Like, you know, we've mentioned like hosting, right? So, you know, building a team doesn't necessarily mean hiring a person and having an employee, you know, so I like NerdPress, we consider ourselves partners, not vendors for our clients. Like we try to be part of the team and act in our client's best interest as if we were business partners or we are business partners, right? Our, our success is tied to your success. So. I think when you're when you're looking for a quote unquote vendor, you want to be looking at a company that is aligned with your values in terms of how you want to work with them. Things like customer service, I mean, obviously price is a factor, you know, there's all those details, reputation, uh, reviews, testimonials, you know, knowing people who recommend them, mm-hmm. people that you trust who recommend them is very valuable. I think where they're based is important. Um, you know, uh, are they based in the US? Are, are they based in Russia? You know nothing against Russia, but there's time zone differences are important. You know what, all those little things that add up. Like I was just emailing with a client this morning who she's in the US, her developers in the UK, and every email was like, "Well, it's tricky because he's in the UK and we've got such a big time difference." You know, and so it's probably totally worth it, but you have to factor that in then to your workflow, right? Yeah. So in terms of vendors, I think reputation, price, um, you know, the quality of the service, what they actually say they'll do. You know, are they legitimate? Service. I think there are a lot of businesses that are actually just one person. Mm -hmm. um, And I say, watch out for that. You know, is your hosting company just one dude looking like a bigger hosting company? There's nothing really wrong with that. But are you going to get 24 7 support? You know, what time zone are they in? What happens? What if something happens to that person? You know, talk about a horror story. Uh, A friend of mine years ago, she was hosted with a small company in Vegas, I think it was, not Orange Geek, but it was another tiny company. And, um, you know, she just trusted that they were hosting the site and it was all good. One day, the her site was gone. The hosting company was gone. She had no backups of her own, just vaporized, like
0: That's nothing, so
1: right? Like the ultimate nightmare, which is why, like, it's great that hosts make backups, but always have a, another set of backups that you have access to. So getting good referrals from people you trust is probably one of the most important things in terms of hiring people, you know, I would start with contractors, not employees as you're easing your way into being a CEO, it's a lot easier and cheaper. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, everybody on my team uh, was a contractor before 2020. And then I'm in California, so there was a proposition that was passed that made it harder to have contractors. Um, And I didn't really pass the federal test anyway. like my team was doing customer service stuff and like I was controlling their work and you know, like I, the federal litmus test, we didn't quite check all the boxes on. Uh, So it was time and that was part of our growing process. And I will say going from contractors to employees was really hard. Um, I also, my employees are in 10 different states, which means I have to be registered to do business and, (laughs) and do unemployment insurance. And like, it's crazy. You know, I'm kind of wishing I had hired an HR person to do all that because mm-hmm. I am the HR department. So like that's, it's becoming my zone of genius. Um,
0: <laughs> By default. <laughs> so it's
1: going to be my next career as an HR. But I will say going from contractors to employees has also been game changing for my business. It's it's kind of like getting married um, where you're dating for a really long time and, and then suddenly it's a little more serious. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, obviously we can part ways still, it's easier than getting a divorce, but... I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm more invested in my people and they're more invested in the company. And I now see, I have a responsibility to them. You know, NerdPress is responsible for 13 people's livelihoods. And that's changed my, my thinking too. It's like, well, what happens if I get hit by a bus, right? The company needs to be able to run without me.
0: Yeah. And that's that CEO like mindset shift for sure. And I think you can have that though, even before, you know, you have 13 employees. But yeah, I definitely think that that, that's a huge shift. And I think so many food bloggers, like everything relies on their input, their ability to produce content, their ability to get ahead or say, you know, stay ahead, that kind of thing. And what often happens is, you know, you get sick or you something happens or you just want to take a vacation. Like, Like that's like a normal thing to want to do, but it's often so hard to do when you are a solopreneur and there's nobody you can rely on. So there are so many good good nuggets in there, but it is definitely it's hard to get started with that. But I also feel like it's kind of addicting once you do get started. And like, you find that you're not the only person who has to do all the things. It's like such a breath of fresh air to have that support. And I found that with my clients too, who have hired people in their business, it's like it, it opens up something that they're able to just think beyond the overwhelm. And I think that's such a, unfortunate season that people get into and overwhelm really should be a season. It should not be (laughs) your whole business. And so if you're in overwhelm, like figure out how to get out of that. And usually it's going to be by hiring somebody to help you with something. And it might be something that feels easy, but it's just a mental load on you. And that's, that's totally okay to, to do that. And you also can hire someone for a season too. Maybe you decide you need to hire a VA to help you for three months just to get out of overwhelm, or you need to help, you know, hire a photographer to help you for quarter four or something like that. It doesn't have to be forever, but you might also find that you don't want to let go. Like you don't want to take that back either. Like once it's gone and you haven't done it for a while, it's like, I don't really want to go back to that.
1: Yeah. And I think once you find good people, like you may get lucky and find them right away, um, but you may not. And you may have to go through two, three, four people. But once you find that good person, like do not let them go. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm sure you've had these stories too, when you've like brought on new clients, but we've had plenty of clients who have come to us and shared their horror stories of, you know, developer did this or designer did this or like just not getting the experience they thought they were going to get. And it breaks my heart when I hear that. But then I'm also so much more motivated to you know, make sure that doesn't happen with us and make sure that they get a good experience because there are good people out there, even if it's hard to find them sometimes. (laughs) So
1: I, uh... It's funny. I have so had so many people say like I had this really great person. And they just ghosted me. They stopped answering my emails, and that's super common in like the developer tech space because that person is also a solopreneur or freelancer, and, and they get overwhelmed, right? Um, and so like that's one of the things I talk about with my team is like we are never going to be that guy. Yeah. And we have a document that's like internal timeframes for response, and you know we don't we don't use that as a marketing tool, so we don't broadcast it. We just do it so that our clients yeah. are happy, right? Um, but that's that's the kind of thing that keeps me up at night. Is like I never want like an email to go unanswered for two weeks like, that's crazy. Yeah.
0: yeah. Or, or just ever, never having ever. a response. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. So we talked about what to look for and just kind of looking for those trustworthy people, looking at reviews, looking at, you know, who are other people hiring in the, in the industry and why it's important to free those up. Okay. So kind of just, we have talked a lot about like just your advice in general, but now that you lead a pretty sizable team, what would you say to someone who's like feeling that overwhelm we were just talking about, and they need to start building a team, but they're just, Not sure how to like get past, you know, being overwhelmed and and make that change. What do you have any words of wisdom for that person?
1: I think you need to start by making a list of all the things you do, you know, all those hats we talked about and whatever else is on your list. And, you know, it it also doesn't necessarily have to be about your blog. It could be like, do you need help doing the dishes and cleaning the house? Right.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so it, it can be, it can be life stuff too. You, you know, you can hire a, an executive assistant if that's the best, you, you know, ROI you're going to get. So I, I think I would start by making a list of all the things and then look at it and go, am I good at this? Do I like doing this? Is somebody going to be better at it than me? Like, is this the best use of my time? Like you got to answer that for each of these things. And then just one by one, start outsourcing that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think some of them are intuitive for most people like web hosting. I'm going to guess nobody's actually doing their own web hosting.
0: (laughs) I hope Uh, you are not. Do not do that. (laughs) Please do not. Uh,
1: But we sometimes have clients who like they set up on DigitalOcean or Google cloud, where they just like, you know, go there and get effectively a virtual private server. And they're basically doing server management, (laughs) right? When you could go to a, a WordPress managed host who takes care of that. So like some of these are easy, easy changes to make that can, You know, and actually, like, if you go to Big Scoots, for example, they'll do the migration for you, usually same day, and you'll be like, oh, why didn't I do that sooner?
0: Yeah, actually, funny story about that. I had just switched over the Food Blogger Summit website and my food blog over to Big Scoots. It's like one of those things I've just been putting off for forever. Finally did it, and not kidding, the day we opened registration for the summit, my website went down and i just sent an email. They, I had updated my plugins and something, you know, had an issue and sent an email. They fixed it within like 20 minutes. And I was like, all right, we're good. And, but you know, and I, yes, I could have troubleshooted that myself. I have the technical ability to do it, but it, the point is that I didn't have to, and I had someone I could rely on and it, it was like a 20 minute problem instead of a three hour problem, you know?
1: And those add up.
0: They really do. And I think the mental strain of that adds up too. just the stress of like, it should not be hard. It shouldn't feel like it's, you know, you're going to break your entire site to update a plugin, even though that can happen. But if that's like the the way that you feel about it, then that probably is a really good example of something to get off your plate. Or, you know, if SEO just feels like it is just way over your head, I mean, it's over most of our heads, but at least like the basics of it, you know, then that's a great example too. So I love that idea of just I always recommend for people to do time tracking, like just track your time for an entire week and just see where all of your time is adding up. Because again, these things might think, you might think, oh, it doesn't take me that long to check my inbox. It doesn't take me that long to reply to Instagram messages, but it adds up over time and it stops you from doing other things that would otherwise bring money into your business. So,
1: you know, I think you can kind of think of this as like Marie Kondo in your life. Mm -hmm. Like, do these activities bring me joy? Like a lot of the stuff we talked about, like, you know all the technical stuff like it actually does spark joy for me because i'm a nerd you know and when i decided to basically invest all my time and resources in my life towards this business rather than my food blog it's because the food blog no- was not my zone of genius anymore like i've said everything i want to say about nutrition like and michael Pollan said it better so so i'm like okay i'm going to focus on this and it really wasn't until i focused 100 percent of my time on the one thing the one business that things took off and and that's because i'm now in my zone of genius <laughs> And so I, I definitely encourage everybody to look at all this stuff and be like, okay, which, which thing do you dread doing? Start mm-hmm. there, right?
0: Yeah, which is the thing that you put off too. Because often, yes. you know, and I, I know you've experienced this too. You go onto someone's site and it's like, there's 35 plugins that need updates. And it's like, okay, this is going to take a little while to troubleshoot this. But if you're putting off things all the time in your business, that is a really great example of something that probably you need to get some support in. Or maybe it's not important, you know, like if it's the plugin thing is important, but maybe it's like posting to Facebook. Oh, I never do that. And I know I should, but do you actually need to, is it really going to benefit your business? Because I know for me, when I actually looked at analytics, like it was bringing no traffic to my food blog. So I just stopped because it wasn't doing anything and I was wasting time and I was stressing about it and nothing, you know, nothing changed by not doing that. So there's things that you can analyze, but I think, like you said, until you look at it, really look at like, what are all the things I'm doing? you can't, it just feels like you're kind of spinning, your wheels are spinning. Yeah. So getting that clarity is, is super important.
1: You know, one thing to add also to that is I don't do things just because you feel like you should do them or because everybody else is doing them. Like if you hate Instagram and it's not bringing you any traffic, then ditch it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you hate Instagram and it is bringing you traffic or building your brand, hire an Instagram expert who loves doing it and let them do yeah. it. But, um, but don't, don't, you, you can't do everything. And your business can't do everything. So really niching down a little bit on, on the things where it is successful for you and your site, I think makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Did you have any other resources, tools, like in the realm of, you know, kind of website management and team, or just, you know, things like you mentioned on um, the process street that you would recommend for food bloggers who are either trying to step into the CEO role of their business or are just trying to kind of manage their website in a in a more strategic and like streamlined way?
1: Well, so yeah, definitely process straight. Check that out. Um, and you can, you know, that will help you, even if you're not going to hire anybody, it'll help you not make mistakes and miss details, right? Because you can be like, here's my checklist for writing a blog post and it, it'll make it easier to be accurate. Uh, you mentioned time tracking. I used Harvest. Um, I think it's getharvest.com. And, and they have a free tier. Toggle was you- good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many good tools. There is a bit of a rabbit hole if you want to go down at appsumo.com. That is basically a marketplace of other tools and software service platforms but what they do there is lifetime deals so for like instead of paying 20 bucks a month per person you might pay 49 for 10 users for life it's kind of hit and miss <laughs> and it's <laughs> like they suck you in you're like ooh, another lifetime deal but when when they're really when they hit they're worth so much right so if you get a good one like short pixel has done a few of those, and so I've got lots of lifetime credits with ShortPixel that we've rolled into our support plans. We're actually going way beyond those now, but but that really helped me kind of bootstrap up with the image optimization stuff. So um, AppSumo was a lot of fun, and you can kind of get roped into a lot of tools there. Um, you know, yeah. don't 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 fall for something just because it has it has bells and whistles. I mean, you can keep it simple too, like Google Docs and yeah. Google Sheets. Right, is super easy and very effective. Uh, we love Slack. Um, once we you have a team, Slack, Slack
0: too, yeah. yeah,
1: Slack is awesome. Um, you know, the more you can get out of email, the better, yeah. <laughs> right? Email is just awful. It piles up. You know, Slack takes a little getting used to, and it, Slack really only works if like you have a team also uses Slack. One of the ways we've started using it besides internally is all the other, what we call partners uh, that we work with, other developers, other designers, web hosts, like we have, we have a shared Slack channel with Big Scoots and because they're on Slack too, right? So there's, in ours, there's one that says Big Scoots, and in theirs there's one that says NerdPress, and it's the same channel. And so we can ping each other throughout the day. It's a lot easier than emailing back and forth. And so we can collaborate for our mutual clients. And that's actually been game changing because we've got like Casey Markey and Skylar from Feast and like all these people are in our Slack space. Like they've come to our party. Yeah. And <laughs> and so now we've got this ecosystem of support that we can give to our clients. So I think finding your tribe there is also mm-hmm. a good way to help. I think another thing, um, I'd suggest is maybe a business coach. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I've been working with a business coach for years. Every Thursday at two 30, we have an hour mm-hmm. talk, you know, she started as a career change coach for me when I was trying to figure out where to go. And now that the business is where it is, she's, we, we, what does she call it? Uh, executive coaching. So mm-hmm. she's like, Hey, what's happened this last week? You know, who's done this, Hey, who's getting a raise? Like, and she takes great notes. So she's, um, a great person to bounce ideas off of finding, finding other, um, mentors is also. I, uh, not, not mentors, um, like masterminds and other people mm-hmm. who are sort of in that same cohort with you.
0: And I've actually used Slack for that with um, a yeah. food blogging mastermind before. So that's another nice. example of some way you could use Slack for like just the camaraderie that you could get with that, but more just with friends and, and connections. I love all of those. I think you hit the nail on the head with with all of those examples of just kind of almost just taking the like walls off of the box of like you know, who needs to be on your team, because really those people that you just mentioned, having a, a business coach, having mastermind, you know, peers, those are all people who can help you support your website in a way they're not doing the plugin updates for you, but they are helping you to grow, um, helping to give you ideas, but in a way that is more manageable than, you know, the Facebook groups with 7,000 people in them, where it's <laughs> right. just a new idea every second. And it's overwhelming to know like what's next. So,
1: and those the advice you get there
0: may or may not be good. You don't know. Exactly. And I think that's something that we've kind of, we've said without saying is that every single site, every single food blog is so different. And you can't just take one piece of advice, even things that we've said here today might not be the advice, you know, for the people listening, but you just have to take everything with a grain of salt and really figure out if it applies to your business or not, because every food blog is so unique and so different. And I know we've both probably experienced that with our clients. Like I've had clients in the exact same niche, probably like trying to compete with each other, but their businesses, their business models are so different because they're, they're different people, you know? And so I think that's important to remember too. All right. Do you have any like final, I think we've covered so much already, but anything that we haven't covered that you want to make sure you, you share before we kind of share how people can connect with you.
1: Don't beat yourself up about this stuff. I think let's see, uh, like people are really hard on themselves. I was actually just reading, uh, um, Nathan Barry's email, latest email. Uh, he's the guy who started ConvertKit, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm on his email list, and he just he writes a couple of personal notes. And he was talking about he w- he was having a really hard day, and he's he's not good at giving himself advice, so he gives other, but he's good at giving other people business advice. And so whenever he's stuck, he actually tries to like put himself in the third person, and think, okay, if this were my friend having this problem, what would I say to my friend? But we all get stuck in this, like, oh, I should be doing this better, or, or, or I'm not good enough, and this is all a process, right? Mm-hmm. It's a journey, and you got to try to enjoy the journey because there, there is no there. You know, when I when I started eating rolls, I thought the end game was to get a book deal. I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a book deal. That's gonna be winning. Like I'm gonna be mm-hmm. successful. And six months in, I actually got an agent. Um, because I did a challenge that got picked up and like got noticed. This was 2010, so that was a lot easier. And then I never wrote the, I couldn't even write the book proposal. (laughs) Like it just, but but then I realized like, the book is like one piece of the puzzle, right? That what happens after you publish the book? Oh, there's gonna be the next book or the book tour or like there's always something else. So you've Mm -hmm. got to enjoy the journey here and don't be hard on yourself. And if it's not working, look at what's not working and then see what you can do to fix it.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think it's, everybody can probably relate to having, that whatever their business looks like right now probably does not look like what you would imagine it would look like. And <laughs> yeah. there's good things that come from that and there's bad things, obviously. But I think as a whole, it's just we have to kind of see the, what is it, see the forest through the trees all the way around. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Okay, so where can people connect with you if you want to just run through like how you work with clients and how they can get kind of plugged into the NerdPress world?
1: Sure. So we are at nerdpress.net, so you can find us there. Um, we basically do just WordPress support and maintenance. So we did decide to narrow our focus to that. Like I used to, I used to do design and development and honestly, I wasn't doing anybody any favors, <laughs> so <laughs> that was not my zone of genius. So Madison, I'd rather you handle that.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, we can help you with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, we have three different tiers of service, you know, so for all, but all budgets, and we start with the basics like backups and security, uptime monitoring, And then as you move up, we've got image optimization. We do everything includes site speed. Like that's so, so huge right now. Like we're doing a lot of work on core web vitals. And we also on our middle and upper tiers have what we call quick support requests. So you get questions each month where you can just email us in and say, Hey, I need help with this. And it can basically be anything that we can help with, with like 15 minutes or less or so um, mm-hmm. we're not really sticklers on the time, but the idea is it's small questions, right? So it's like, Hey, my YouTube videos are loading slowly. Is there a plugin to help with that? Mm-hmm. Boom. Right. So we've saved you four hours of trial and error and you know we've just installed the plugin for you and you're set. So. Um, yeah, we also include Cloudflare Enterprise, which is a big value add. So that really helps with site speed and stability. That's about as far as we get into hosting, <laughs> Yeah, hosting up to big scoots. And yeah, so we're there to basically be a trusted partner and resource for you as you're growing your business.
0: Yeah, I love that. And we, like I said, we definitely share some clients and I think it's it's such a huge just breath of fresh air for people to be able to know that that part of their website management is off their plate and just to have that resource to go to when, you, when they have questions. So we will definitely have the link below this video for people to check you guys out there. But yeah, thank you so much for your time. I think we've just, we could have talked another two hours just about all <laughs> of the things about just thinking like a CEO. And I hope that this is encouraging to the food bloggers listening. And if you guys that are listening have any questions, feel free to reach out in the Facebook group. Group and or reach out to um, NerdPress directly if you have questions on their services. But thank you so much for your time, Andrew. And um, we will talk to you soon. All right, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.